Hey everyone, in 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and the magazine is better than ever, with each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horrors past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. So head on over to Fangoria.com to learn more and to, well, subscribe. And while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code KINGCAST. Save 25% off your yearly subscription. Now on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. I'm Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We are joined today by a guest who I am, as always, very excited to talk to. I know I say that every time, but I really mean it this time. Uh, <laughs> didn't ever mean it before today. He is a multi-talented comedian, writer, producer, and podcaster whose work you've seen on Nickelodeon's All That, on Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror, and in the outstanding Netflix sketch comedy series Astronomy Club. Today, he's here to discuss one of the more bizarre and seemingly forgotten entries in Stephen King's body of work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. James III. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That was an amazing intro. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so you we're done here. You could have brought uh, intro music with you, you know, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. really blasted out. That could have worked. <laughs> I think that, uh, I'm well, I know you came onto my radar because of Astronomy Club. And yeah. then I think we started following each other on Twitter because I wouldn't stop tweeting about how people should watch Astronomy Club. I love that <laughs> Which fucking I show really so much. Appreciate. Yeah. It's <laughs> really kind of you to do that. <laughs> um, I don't want to uh, dance around the obvious, but the show didn't get a second season. No, which I it think did is not. Borderline criminal. It was it, so goddamn funny. Um, yeah, thank you. I, that's how I feel, too. I feel like it was funny, and I feel like it should still be here. And it's a shame that it's gone. But you know what? You know, it's gone, but it's not dead. You know, like Astronomy Club, we could... There's all kinds of potential for future for us. So hopefully, right on. hopefully uh, this isn't just something I say right now on this <laughs> podcast and then, <laughs> yeah. just, and then it becomes not true forever, but <laughs> maybe we'll be back. Um, something I've, I've talked about frequently and that uh, I want to bring up now uh, because it ties into another point I want to make is that my favorite sketch on Astronomy Club was the twerking on the wing sketch. Oh, thank you. <laughs> did you write that one? I did, yeah. I yeah. fucking knew it. Because <laughs> what I've gathered from following you on Twitter is that you are, like us, like a big genre nerd, right? Yeah. So I assume you're a Twilight Zone guy? Is that I correct? am. I, I'm a really big fan of Twilight Zone. And that sketch went through a couple different iterations before it became just twerking on the the wing. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I really wanted to do like some like crazy like sort of horror type thing that mm -hmm. dealt with twerking, and it and it was set <laughs> it was set within the like it it was originally gonna be like a, there were the original pitch it, it was gonna be this always probably but <laughs> the original pitch was like um. 
an orderly dealing with someone that was like comatose around everyone else. It was very Michigan J frog. Like whenever they went in to deal with them, they weren't doing anything. But then if anyone else left the room, the, the person would get up and start twerking and they'd be like, That's <laughs> <laughs> the person's in there, twer-, you know, or whatever. And, <laughs> and then somebody was like, Oh yeah, it's like, there's something on the wing. And, and then we, we, we were off to the races from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's you, definitely where we're going with this. <laughs> you, you can make a whole series of that stuff. Like I could see like a, a ring parody where, where she twerks out of the TV. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> maybe bordering into some scary movie territory here. But yeah. 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 <laughs> but the, the, I'm just saying it's, it's a very broad angle into uh, a lot of genre. You can get a twerking Jason Voorhees. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I would. Yeah, I would love to see just sort of any any of the main horror staples twerking. Is that Universal fucked up the dark universe? You know, yeah. if we had had if we had had the Mummy twerking right off the bat, then we might have got exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and my my favorite uh, moment in in that is you're just full blown Shatnerian meltdown. I'm curious if you had a problem with people laughing on set while you were trying to deliver like that meltdown moment toward you, the end you, of the sketch. You know, if we're ever going to have a problem with someone laughing on set, it's, it's me. <laughs> usually, yeah. it's, usually it's that I can't get through something, but um, the, the crew was actually really good. We, we, we got as many extras as we could get to be on that plane. You know, it was like a, we were like, maybe it's a red eye. There's not a lot of people, you know, but we got as many as we could. And it was, it was nice to hear like, uh, like every few times we cut, like hearing them, you know, finally being able to laugh, like they, <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were really good about, about like, you know, keeping it together. I think if any, if anything, if we ever stopped, it was me stopping like for Cat Williams, for Cat Williams Shakespeare, I couldn't <laughs> oh, get through. God. There's, there's a, there's a cut that's in it that like is definitely a Frankenstein monster cut because I, I like couldn't say there was this one particular line I couldn't say. And so we what was the line? I remember it was um, Romeo put the pussy on the Romeo's bitch ass <laughs> put the pussy on the pedestal <laughs> and then he got married. And I think it was something about yelling in Caroline's face that I couldn't, <laughs> like I, I couldn't keep it together. And she got, you know, she got some of my spittle a few times. Um, she was a few times. <laughs> oh man good shit and uh i also wanted to ask you about working on uh black mirror how was that experience that's Um, a very notable episode you were on it was amazing (laughs) it was really amazing it was my first time we shot in south africa it was my first time going to africa (laughs) um i was a big fan of the show and like I was the most nervous I've ever been on a set. We were I was maybe there for a couple weeks, and like you know I didn't interact much with Miley Cyrus as she's like in a coma in every scene that I'm there with her. But um, mm-hmm. you know she was at the reading. It was very nice, and like that was really cool. Like there, just everything about it was so cool. Charlie Booker's really great. We got to talk a, a bit, and and he was just like a really cool guy like I, I i really had a great time i think i would be intimidated to talk to charlie brooker i was but something happened something happened where like we had like a, a dinner or something like every like the one time everyone would get together and, and eat and right. like the seat next to him was empty 
And so it just happened that I <laughs> sat next to him, you know? And so it was just like, all right, well, well here we are. So I better say something, you know, it, it can't be silent the whole time. But I remember being super nervous that the the shoot, that the episode was going to come. I, I, I like broke out in like in, in crazy uh, pimples because of my nerve. My nerves were just, <laughs> I was like so nervous. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to look like, I'm going to look like a pizza face or whatever when this, when this episode comes out. And I don't know, they do a great job, whatever, (laughs) whatever they must've did a full, uh, like ILM pass to like (laughs) clean my face. (laughs) Well, those makeup people like know some tricks that like ordinary humans don't, they're like magicians almost. I I think they're wizards, wizards or witches. Uh, because I, I had a, a bit part in, in uh, the, the Hobbit. I had a little thing where I sold Bilbo a fish in The Hobbit. And yeah. and I, I usually have a beard. And I was told going into that that hobbits do not have beards. So I shaved. And when I shaved, I irritated my skin. And, oh, yeah. uh, and so I came in like with like rash neck and, and like, you know, I had a big zit like at the corner of my mouth and I'm like, this sucks. Cause this is my, my time to shine. Right. And they, they put me in makeup and like, I walked out and I'm like, I look like a human being. I don't know. You know, the, I couldn't see the bump under a makeup. There's like, I just looked great. I'm like, man, like <laughs> no wonder they give out Academy Awards for people doing this. <laughs> right. Yeah, magic. No <laughs> so James, what's your, what's your preferred flavor of horror? um that's a really good question i feel like i like i think my favorite horror movie is the first nightmare on elm street Mm -hmm. and i think that like the what i i feel like what i love about it is the the sort of dream fantasy kind of there's i guess i guess it's that some that have like a fantasy element it feels like whatever supernatural about it is close to like what could happen. Like, like someone going in your dreams would be like, you know, inv- very invasive and very mm-hmm. like, you know, I, there's something about that that I think I, I'm, I'm really excited about. And then like, and then just sort of in general, besides like having a sort of fantasy and kind of like invasive element to it is I kind of, I enjoy like if there's a little humor. Yeah. That's the kind of world that I like to, to live in. Right on. I understand you haven't read a lot of Stephen King, but you've seen enough of the movies and, and yeah, yeah, I've seen a, t- a ton of the movies. I feel like they're the ones though that like if people are like I've seen a, a Stephen King, it's those. You know, my I, I feel like Misery is probably the f- first one I saw, but like I the one, ones that like keep coming back to me are like thinner, like especially like the there's the guy who. <laughs> the the curse that he got was that he becomes a a lizard and it's and mm-hmm. but the way that yeah. it manifests is like his psoriasis covers his body and I, I have eczema and I, there's another kind of invasive kind of it, you know it's super close to you kind of thing like I the thought of like my eczema taking <laughs> over my entire <laughs> body is the most horrific thing I can think of um, and then I love like Pet Cemetery both versions of it I I liked like i like like this new one being so close to the other one was fine with me like it 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 changing very little was fine with me and then the like one kind of twist that they do that's different from the first movie i don't know i don't i don't know how different either of these are from the from the book since i haven't read it you mm-hmm. know but the one twist that they do is really i think is really cool and swapping out the kids you mean yeah yeah swapping, swapping yeah. the kids because it's like you know you 
you're, and we're all expecting it to be the one kid, you know, anyone who's, right. you know, we're like, yeah, it's going to be this, this kid, you know, and then when, when the other kid gets it, it's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, did you not see the trailer before it came out? I had seen it, but like once and then left it in the back of my Right. <laughs> if the daughter getting hit is in the is in the trailer, I just it had so much time had passed that it was surprising to me. There were people that were like legit mad about that. I remember. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like when the when the trailer came out. Like and yeah. at, at the time I was I was running a like a, a movie website and people on the staff of that site, there was a couple of them that were like, this isn't, that's not what it, that's not what happens in the, not book. in my that's pet not what cemetery. Happens. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but really who gives a shit? You know, yeah. like it's, it's, you already got the really like hyper faithful version in the first movie. So let them switch it around a little bit. Right. You want to see yeah, the I exact mean, same shit again? Like, come on. Right. Man. Why? I, I, I'm often a fan of like, of of something only being updated in the fact that there are newer cameras and it's 2019 or something like I'm I'm okay with <laughs> I'm often okay with seeing the exact same thing twice but you know like I said like it it was fun to me that like to be surprised in that way to right. me oh yeah you know thinking I was seeing I was going to see the exact same thing and then and then having something a little new happen i don't know like i feel like that's odd for people i think if i went into that movie not knowing that twist and it's not really a twist unless you're familiar with the other ones but right you know if i hadn't known that and then went into the movie i think i would have like graded it a whole like letter grade up because that would have been such a cool twist to discover in the moment but the fucking marketing campaign ruined it and then you know all the whining about it you know it was it was hard (laughs) to avoid so good on you for being able to uh to yeah. experience that as it was probably intended by the filmmakers. Can I do a Godzilla versus Kong potential spoiler? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But sure. I was like, with uh, with Mecha Godzilla, I was like, I can't believe this wasn't in any of the marketing. And then and then I said that to somebody, and they were like, No, you see an eye in one of the trailers. Yeah, it's like, in oh, the marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's done in a way where if you kind of know any of that at all, you you're gonna clock it, and if you don't, then it's just a mechanical thing that you have no idea what the fuck it is i was so so excited i was like i i the whole time i was watching it floored like so maybe i just don't pay enough attention to trailers because i was watching (laughs) it like this wasn't in they kept this a secret this is such a huge part of the like (laughs) so into into the fact that they like had hid this very big this thing that you would think that would be like the whole trailer would be like, and then Mecha Godzilla, you know, like, um, I think if they put it in there, then you would know, like, obviously it would become a team up thing where they're, then they're both going after Mecha Godzilla, but they did, they did kind of sneak some shit in there. Like you knew it was coming or, well, you didn't know it was coming, but <laughs> again, I don't pay uh, enough attention. I'm, I'm learning. Still mad at knowing that John Connor comes back as like a, a robot thing in, in Terminator 5. And I, ever since then, I've been like, never watch. I'm like, never going to look at a trailer too closely again. Do you remember the first time a trailer ruined something for you? Because the I, I have a very specific example, mm. and it's not for a big like genre movie or blockbuster movie. It's for The Negotiator. Uh, and I, cause I remember in that trailer, that whole, that whole movie is Sam Jackson and, um, uh, Kevin Spacey, 
uh, you know, this whole thing where they're they're at odds. One's a negotiator, the other one's you know holding hostages, and and then like the very end of the trailer is like this ADR cutaway line from Spacey where where he says, "Now you have to deal with the both of us" or something, which doesn't happen, what? of course, until the end of the movie. And and you're just like, and I remember even watching it in theater, going, "Well, why the fuck am I gonna even pay?" pay money to go see this movie like yeah. you just showed me the you just showed me the the entire thing in a condensed like two minute form don't say that that's uh yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, and it, that's the way a... it was done that it was like adr that it was like they threw it in at the very last minute going man people aren't going to go see it if they if they think that you know these two people are going to be at odds the whole time yeah. that's fucking abject <laughs> clownery so we we I, I understand you haven't read a lot of King, but we ask this question of all of our guests, and especially since you're a genre guy. When did Stephen King first come onto your radar as a pop culture presence? Like, what are your earliest memories of? Yeah, of that? yeah. I mean, I was trying to think in prep for talking to y'all. Like, I do feel like we would like talk about misery in my how like that was just like a thing we would reference like oh you're like misery like i don't know why <laughs> i don't i don't remember what you know capacity in which we would we would we would talk about it but 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 like it was something that was like it was like always on tv <laughs> you know and like we would you know reference misery a bunch i think dreamcatcher so when dreamcatcher came out uh, my my buddy was <laughs> super so into. I know it's insane, but my 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 a buddy of mine was super into the book. He had the book and he and he and he loved it. And we would he he would talk to me about the and I and this was the this had been the only Stephen King that I had read. So this specific passage in the book when I don't remember the actual character's name, but J, it's Jason Lee's character when he's sitting on the toilet and he has to hold the mm. the creature in, inside and he and the the passage mm. the passage in the in the novel is something like I, I felt heat and then it felt like cold ice cream or something rolled down my scrotum or whatever the what the line is and we and he was like oh, I can't wait for I, can, I hope it like I hope they like really uh stretch out that part of the movie or whatever and we like go and we see them <laughs> we saw the movie <laughs> we saw the movie together you know and like and and Lo- absolutely loved the movie thought it was amazing you know like we, um uh, uh, and so dream dream dreamcatcher was our was was my i think entryway into like into thinking about stephen king beyond like that guy who you know wrote books and there are movies that come out you know what i mean like i was like oh there's it's it's a lot it's sort of a larger sweeping thing than that i, I think that this is the first time a guest has name check dreamcatcher as 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 the one that was like, and then I started paying attention. Like, that, I know, and that you movie know, is, because it was like, oh, that movie is me, rough for me. But for me, it was like I, I I don't think I had the understanding that like Misery was Stephen King or Shawshank was Stephen King or sure. even I don't even know the order of Green Mile and Dreamcatcher. I feel like Green Mile was after but you know like the 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 ones that are that I think it was right like, before yeah. right before right before okay yeah so mm-hmm. you know these these that i had like seen but i'm not thinking like oh steven i'm not <laughs> thinking about stephen <laughs> king and i hadn't seen like uh like it was was terrifying to, to me so i hadn't se- at that at that point hadn't seen it you know it's like well, i don't want to see this thing about a clown that I don't know, a scary, all I knew was scary clown, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
not scary like the thing we're here to talk about today. Um, right. <laughs> this is this is a really unique choice that that you made in terms of what to talk about on the show. It's Michael Jackson's Ghosts. Well, Eric, do you want to set up like the uh, the credits on this, and then maybe James can explain explain the plot? Sure. So this is a this is Michael Jackson wanting the top thriller. That was his whole idea. Is like, okay, we're it's the mid '90s now. I guess he started this in the early '90s, but like he's he he wanted to top thriller. That was the goal, and the final result ended up being uh, a story by Stephen King. He wrote a screenplay that uh, he claims now was uh, very little of it remains. This definitely feels more like a a Michael Jackson project through and through. Like he he seemed to have every angle of this uh, uh, story like pre planned, and but he was a huge fan of Stephen King apparently and wanted him to be involved. He's like, if I'm going to top thriller, I have to bring in Stephen King to to write this. <laughs> and uh, so Stan Winston ended up directing and. Uh, Michael Jackson, of course, stars and uh, yeah, and we'll d- dive into the actual story of it here here in a bit. But uh, that that was the background. Mick Garris was originally going to direct it, and then he ended up having to be on set for the Shining miniseries. So that's when Stan Winston uh, came through, and apparently, Stan Winston had a um, uh, a long relationship with Michael Jackson. And I think no matter what Stan was going to come in and do effects stuff because he, uh, he did the, the makeup on the whiz for, for Michael Jackson. So they, he's known mm-hmm. him since, since they were 16 or since Michael Jackson was 16. So they, I think he had a lot of trust and I think Jackson funded it completely hundred percent out of pocket. Like, and th- this was definitely a passion project for, for him. And he wanted to really push the envelope with, with scares. He didn't want just makeup. So there's like early performance capture with a dancing skeleton in this. And, and it's just Michael Jackson dancing with the dots and everything. But this is like pre Gollum, you know, pre all that stuff. And so he, he, he right. really wanted to push the envelope. And the only thing I'll add to it is that there are reports that this screened in front of thinner when thinner came mm. out in theaters, right. I saw thinner in theaters and I absolutely do not remember <laughs> seeing this beforehand i feel like i definitely Same. would remember that um but, but i I've do remember it. seeing it i remember seeing it and i don't but i don't have any memory of like seeing it big and i you know so i'm i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure where i saw it for the first time but you know yeah, you also have to neither. remember this time period like th- this is to frame the time period michael jackson was very much in the decline section this is post uh, court cases and post allegations where he was the butt of jokes you know the, the it was the you know the whole child molester thing was a, something he couldn't shake at this point and he became more and more reclusive uh but you he was also still like one of the most famous people in the world you know like i don't people pe- younger generations i don't think will understand just how big of a deal michael jackson was I remember like um, you remember the time and black or white. Those were events like you had to see the new Michael Jackson thing. And he was pushing the envelope in those two. Like the the first time I saw morphing technology was in the black or white video. Like he he was, you know, he was always delivering something like new and special. So I do remember clocking that he had a horror thing out, you know, you know, that wasn't thriller that was coming and being excited to see it, even though, you know, musically and, you know, uh, personality wise, he was kind of on the decline. Right. And, and and before that, it was originally intended to run as a short before uh, Adam's Family Values, which was something mm. I did not know until 
uh, very recently. Um, yeah. And I guess they just sort of cut ties with it somewhere along the lines. And uh, well, it just, I don't think it just came came together, like because that that's when Mick Garris was going to direct it, and and then it just took a couple of years, and then by the time Jackson was able to, well, I also think that that was right, wasn't it? Like around ninety three when the first like trial happened, so uh, he might have been a little bit busy. So. Yeah, he was he was coming off the trials, but had basically come out of that more or less unscathed, other than being tabloid fodder. So the, this was like a, in a weird period for Jackson where he was like trying to get back up on his feet. And to do that, I think the idea was, well, let's let's top Thriller. Uh, I do not think that they top Thriller on this no. one, but <laughs> <laughs> I do find the the Adams Family Values thing interesting, um, especially because there's a Michael Jackson joke in Adams Family. <laughs> Adam Family. I can't I can't fucking say it. Adams Family Values. It's too many S's in there. Anywho, James, tell us about the plot of Michael Jackson's Ghosts. Yeah, Ghosts is, I mean, it's set in in a small town, uh, Normal Valley, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. And the townspeople of Normal Valley are like storming on to the manor of uh, a character who will be revealed to be Michael Jackson. Uh, the maestro thinks he's he's called yep. because he he's he's weird. They keep calling him weird. He's a, he's a, this guy's a weirdo. He's <laughs> he's weird and he's he's, he's done something. Yeah. He's a freak and he's done something it's very subtle. <laughs> right. The thing yeah. that he, whatever it's very yeah it's very subtle. It's very he's <laughs> something is wrong with him. He's a freak. He's a weirdo and they don't stop calling him that. Once they face him, the mayor, who is this kind of, I guess you would call him like a, uh, he looks like the penguin, like a penguin, (laughs) the the penguin of this town is ready to drive him out. And the maestro basically like challenges him to a scare off. Um, And whoever gets scared, (laughs) if the mayor gets scared, then the maestro can stay. If the maestro gets scared, I guess he's going to leave <laughs> with, all, with all of his. Yeah, it's kind of goals. vague on the details. Just let's scare the mayor so Michael Jackson can still stay in this town and entertain the children who understand him. But the, the boring adults do not. So right off the bat, it's like so thuddingly on the nose <laughs> that there's just no getting around that. Right. Like. Yeah. Like yeah. I, had, I had seen this once before, before we started talking about doing this episode and then revisit it and was like, holy shit, this is borderline a biopic. I wonder what King's original version was, but I can't imagine it was this just like it's heavy not. handed. It, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, this is clearly not King's idea. Like they didn't go to King and say, hey, we want a scary thing to be the, the, <laughs> the, the, the skeletal structure of, you know, this new music video which jackson was very adamant to not call it a video it was a short film don't call it a video it's a bad word like he would admonish people if they said it was a video on set i don't think stephen king would say okay i want to do a horror musical which is what he said he was really intrigued by that when michael jackson came to him with this he was like of course i'll do it not because you know he's a massive michael jackson fan or whatnot but he was like this is really intriguing to me to write you know something that's a a uh, musical and scary and 
it, it wouldn't have been King's idea to essentially reframe the whole child molestation allegations into a fantasy Tim Burton esque thing. You know, it was definitely Michael Jackson saying these are the the parameters, and uh, and King himself later said that whatever the end result was uh, didn't match what he he had written. So yeah, it, it's crazy. I wonder if if that script's out there. I've done a cursory look. There's actually very little out there about this this video. It's almost like forgotten by time. This film, almost. this this <laughs> this short film, <laughs> this short film, not not this music video. So James, when was the first time you encountered this? So I I, I feel like it had to be the the nineties, but I do not. I also don't remember the first time I saw it. The thing that I remember uh, sitting with me for so long is him shattering into, into Mm. glass and then dust and then flowing away has been like just his face crumbling (laughs) has has been burned in my brain for the last, you know, 27, 25 years, however long it's been (laughs) rewatching it for, for this, like the toughest thing for me to, to, to watch it now was like, I love the way Michael Jackson dances. Like it's like, <laughs> it was so hard to like watch it and then think about how much this tries to directly address the allegations that he that he was experiencing at the time but while also leaving it as amorphous as as as, as it ever has been, you know, like the most <laughs> the most like half-assed like you guys like when I do what I do, right? Like right. <laughs> um and the like, you know, do that. Th- the, one of the kids is like, do that thing, you know, do that thing you showed us. <laughs> and they're like, that's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be a secret. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> like, Ooh, why? Right. This, is, mm-hmm. this is not the the way to go. It, it is so very blatantly a, a PR move, like hidden within a story of being like, right. so all this stuff, you're just, it's all a misunderstanding. Of course, I don't sexually molest these children. I just sometimes scare them for fun and do magic you know it's like it's definitely (laughs) something to reframe they just don't understand me the adults don't understand but but like everything that's within this is almost screaming at you that you know this is all predatory behavior you know like you said this is a secret don't tell the parents you know this is something that he only does around kids and the adults just don't understand and and it's like it it is real awkward and he's doing it in a dark mansion up on a fucking hill yeah. Like yep. it's it's again no subtlety here. We just recorded an episode with uh Isa Lopez, the director of uh Tigers Are Not Afraid. We talked about the shining and we talked a lot in that episode about Stanley Kubrick's treatment of Shelley Duvall during the filming of that movie. And mm-hmm. that and that of course rolls into a whole artist versus the art debate. And you know, I grew up with Michael Jackson. You know, my my parents bought me his albums when I was a kid. Like some of the first CDs I owned were Michael Jackson albums. Right. I'm curious, James, where you land on this now, uh, like how you approach this entire thing as as a consumer of entertainment, you know, when, you know, so much shit has come to light. And, And by the way, did you see Finding Neverland? Okay, so no. So I didn't I didn't see Finding Neverland. And um, the way that I have sort of always looked at Michael Jackson, because I feel like maybe if 93, if that was around the time that the allegations were first coming about, 
I'm seven at this time. And so I have sort of, Michael Jackson has sort of always, has always been, so for as long as I can remember with safe a couple years, (laughs) has always been directly associated with this, you know? Um, Really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, Well, you know what I mean? Like it's from seven to now. That's, 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 uh, you know, almost 30 years. (laughs) That wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Of my life. So he's sort of, he's always been, directly associated with with this thing and so which is why like i haven't uh like sought out these uh, the fi- finding neverland and any sort of other thing that has kind of come up about it because it's same with uh, uh same with r kelly side note i i haven't sought these things out because they have sort of for as as or as much as i can remember mm-hmm. you know always been directly tied to these sort of horrible things that they that ha- that it has either come to light that they definitely did, or they are still being considered, you know, uh, alleg- allegations that you know have yet to be uh, substantiated. So I, for me, it's sort of kind of been like, like I love Human Nature. That's a great song. Ugh, I don't know if I like <laughs> Michael Jackson. You know, right? Um, and that's just sort of where I've where I've kind of always lived. I buy into both him, particularly having the sort of tortured childhood that he had you know and kind of like oh, growing sure. up growing growing up in the spotlight it's it's like that is that is true and like you know he's had whatever whatever things has happened to him because of that and then also if he's out here touching kids like that's not cool <laughs> like i don't like mm-hmm. i'm not cool with that you know you know and i'm trying to be b- better in general of like what can i do to like not give the estate a scent every time I listen to human nature on Spotify. Like what can I do? (laughs) What can I do to not continue to give this money? You know, and that that's kind of a thing. It does change things that he's, he's dead now. You know, I don't know if finding Neverland could happen with him alive. There's, you know, just something with him not being in the picture that, that I think allows, you know, some of his, his victims to be able to be open about confronting what he did. You know, a lot of his supporters will say, well, you know, then that's also convenient because now he can't speak up for himself. Um, but I'm, I don't know, man, you, you hear those, those kids talk, you know, I mean, they call them kids. They're, you know, grown, they're adults, grown adults now, now right. but, mm-hmm. but you hear them talk and you see like, I mean, listen, allegations don't necessarily mean that something happened, but you see the tears in their eyes. Like not everybody's Meryl Street, man. Like you're not going to get it. Right. Average choreographer to to recall this. Well, I mean, they're not going to be able to, to, to turn on those, those emotions. And you can see they're raw. You see the shake they're shaking. They're obviously, you know, have experienced trauma and you, I don't know any human being that could watch, that and not go yep everything they said is 100 percent true and it happened right so and what they said is you know they, it's in graphic detail of what happened and it's you know it is hard to watch but it's also i think kind of crucial you know that people who love michael jackson's art ha- can have to kind of confront this other thing and i think it's crucial that they you know they hear the the nitty-gritty details so it's not just something they can explain away you know with oh they just wanted money or the family just wanted money and they whatever you know i that said i don't disbelieve like macaulay culkin who said that you know he he's never 
had a, a, a bad right. experience with Michael and, and, you know, he never, he you know, was never molested or anything like that, but you know, and what other, you know, grown, grown man could have, you know, sleepovers with 10 year old that sleep in their beds and people go, that's cool. And that's normal. You know, it's, it's, it's just, right. It, it, I think a lot of people <laughs> just want, want to love the art, just want to love the art and not be confronted with, the realities of what happened, you know, behind the scenes and as somebody who like loves movies and loves, you know, loves art that, that uh, are made by problematic people and, you know, sometimes predatory people, you know, I understand that struggle. You know, I, I, I grew up worshiping Michael Jackson, you know, that was, he was the, the biggest thing in, in the world when I was growing up. Yeah. The Beatles for an entire generation, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm curious, like, I guess you've already said it, what what brought King into Michael's fold at, at this time, like in the right early mid-ish 90s. Like, but I guess you already said it. Like, Michael was a big fan of King. Yeah, King wrote an, an essay for Entertainment Weekly whenever Michael Jackson passed. And it's really pretty much the only, like, in-depth behind-the-scenes thing. There's videos you can find on YouTube of the making of, which is really fascinating, um, and it, 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 I actually want to fo- focus on that as, as soon as I, you know, stop talking about this Entertainment Weekly piece. But in it, you know, King says some shit that he wouldn't be saying in the year 2021, for sure, you know, very much in that whole, you know, he was never convicted in a court of law. So he doesn't, you know, necessarily believe the allegations and all this shit. And it's like, nah, Steven, oh, wow. you know, you know wow. <laughs> kind of things. But it was also you got to put it in well, context. I- yeah. Of of the time, this is right after his death. He's not going to come out and say, good, fuck him, you know. Uh, but he tells this story about how he was on the set of The Stand whenever, The Stand miniseries with Mick Garris, whenever he got, somebody handed him a phone call and Michael Jackson was on the other line. And apparently he was very stammering and like, like just super nervous to talk to him. And like, he's a legit fan. This is something that people don't really remember about that side of, of Jackson's personality is that he was an, he was a legit geek. Like he would go to comic conventions and shit, like dressed up in 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 costume so he could walk around. Like he he loved doing doing that stuff. He'd go to horror conventions all the time and and uh you know there there are people that have pictures with Michael Jackson because they just like this dude, you know, wearing this mask and outfit or whatever and they had no idea. So he was a legit nerd and he uh, he reached out to King. King, you know, like I said was receptive to it because he'd never written anything any kind of horror musical and um and then he wrote something and then it like mcgarris is going to direct and it didn't really happen and it got rewritten and turned into whatever that was which king said (laughs) wasn't didn't have any resemblance to anything that he wrote so so that that might be a good thing if we can get our hands on that uh that original script that might be a good patreon bonus or something to kind of dive deep into that but uh i don't know if that's even floating out there I would love to see that, honestly. Like, if, if it is anywhere, if anybody out there knows where it's at, <laughs> <laughs> that shit is in us. a vault or like that, like been deleted from a from a database nineteen times over. Like, I'd be surprised if you could track down a copy of that. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I've been I've been wrong about those kind of things before, but it just seems so <laughs> unlikely. I want to see the like. I want it to be one of those scripts that's like turned into a graphic novel like lit. like I would love to see like just what, with full choreography in the in each panel I would love it would to have see to be that. a flip book at a certain point yeah yeah, yeah. 
Cause see, I, I don't hate the tone of the uh, of the short video or short story, short film, um, because I'm a big uh, uh, haunted mansion guy. Like I love the haunted mansion. I love that kind of scary but for kids tone. You know, and I got a lot of haunted mansion vibes off of this. A lot of it is you know playing with the technology. Sorry, my cat's scratching at shit, and I'm trying to get him to stop. Okay, there we go. Um, you got a hell cat. You got yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I like that tone. I like that, you know, it, it's not just the, the kid angle or, you know, safer families or, or whatever, but, you know, the whole embracing that being scared is actually kind of a good thing for kids, which is you yeah. know, something that I've argued before. Like, I like you know, it th- too. This is the best time for kids to watch something spooky and scary and challenging because, you know, they get jaded as, as, uh, teenagers and and like young adults and they've seen they've seen it all and it doesn't work on them but you you can show them something scary when they're 10 or 11 show them a scary movie and then it's you know they fully buy into it like it's a good thing for kids to be scared it's a healthy way to confront fears and and all that so like i'm totally on board with that angle you know it's just again it's just so hard to watch now because it's such a blatant allegory for how he perceived everything uh, that happened to him uh, with the 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 court cases, with right. the the media backlash. I mean, the fucking thing opens with a town, you know, full of mostly white people holding torches, you know, storming his castle and saying he's a freak and weird and and he needs to get out. It's like they, like Scott said, this is you know, subtle is not one of the things that this <laughs> this uh, short film is. James, you were trying to say a second ago, I think that well, you, just the- you're a fan. I, I like the I like the tone generally, but then the thing I don't like is when like there is because this I feel like this also connects to me think me thinking about you know what Michael Jackson does in his in his personal life while watching it. But like the thing I don't like is how it's like it is scary and like but sometimes the kids are having fun. But then there's a part like about I think it's about halfway through when like the maestro character starts getting really scary and then the, and the zombies start or the other ghosts start getting really scary. And then they start dancing again and the kids start smiling again. But it's like, (laughs) that would be, that would be equally scary now at this point. Like if, like if after I've been scared to death, by them you know and then they just start creepily doing like the thriller uh shoulders and it's like that would be <laughs> yes. terrifying if you saw a bunch of ghosts doing that I don't much know. less up the walls and on the ceiling right right you know it, your it, brain it, would fucking melt in that <laughs> circumstance you know you would be done for did you notice by the way a young mo's deaf in the crowd Yep. Yes, it's like, it's frustrating I whenever I see rappers play parts like this, though, when I know that they're cooler <laughs> than that and they're playing like nerds. And it's like a little so a, a nerdy black dude could have played that part. Like, you ain't have to do this. <laughs> he is kind of doing that. Like something will happen off screen and it cuts to a reaction shot. And Mose is like, good, 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 goink, you know, with yeah. like <laughs> eyes bugging out. And it's like, come on, dude, it's just. Just a skeleton. You've seen a skeleton. <laughs> You're just seeing us. We've all seen one. We've all biology class. We all, seen <laughs> we all have one. <laughs> how do you, James, how do you think this one stacks up to Thriller? You know, I mean, it's a shame that 
it is on record that this is trying to top Thriller because it's like you right. can't say that. <laughs> you just right. can't. You can't say that. Like, first of all, Thriller, the song by itself, like you take any one of these songs, none of them stand up next to Thriller, no, the song, no, you know? Sure. So it's like, okay, maybe you top Thriller in special effects. Cool, you did that. But you can't be like, I'm topping the greatest pop song of all time. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard to do that, even if it was your own thing. This um, one will have three songs, and maybe they'll all add up to a thriller. Nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, they won't. Yeah, the, none of the song. I mean, maybe it's just, just me, but like none of the songs in this are memorable. Well, just also something that I've been thinking of. I haven't been thinking about this lately, but I had been thinking about with Michael Jackson and his how his music evolved was he started getting more and more uh, creative control over stuff, and stuff started sounding... Uh, a lot alike. So like there's three or four songs in this or, 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 or 12 or, 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 or there's one song in this, right? Like they all kind of sound right. like, sure. it does feel like an extended music video of the same song, even For though sure. there are different songs in this. And I feel like it has something to do with that. Like he, he has a vibe that he really digs when he, when, when he's in charge of the, of the music and it, you know, it feels a little bland. Again, Thriller is just, it's just, I just, it hurts my heart to think of like, of of what all went into this short film, you know, and like every single cutting edge technology they did couldn't stand up next to just the the werewolf mask at the end, or even just the eyes at the end. Like, that's it. Part of that it has something to do with the fact that Thriller came along at a, like the peak of like Jackson mania, whereas yeah. this definitely did not. The idea of like trying to top it is so absurd. If it were like 92 and I got a phone call from Michael Jackson and he's like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make a video that's better than Thriller and you're going to call it a film. I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. no, no there's no way you're going to do that. Well, it, there's just in the circumstances, like like we said, this is like his career kind of in a downturn versus, you know, the super rocket to stardom that he was, you know, he had been writing for a decade plus, you know, at that point. And it was like the peak of his you know, kind of pop culture powers with Thriller. And uh, so this one feels a little little bit more desperate, Mm -hmm. a little bit less cool, a little bit less like this is just who I am and what I'm doing and we're having fun and more like, oh, shit, you know, please, please like me, please like this. Like this is this is is better, guys, right? You like this? You like this, guys? You know, it's a little bit more needy, I, I feel like, just as a watch. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, Thriller didn't uh, Thriller didn't have an, uh, a storyline based around a recent court case, you know, for, <laughs> yeah. for one thing. It, the story is credited to Jackson, King, and Mick Garris. The screenplay is Winston and Garris. So I'd really I'd be really interested to ask, like, maybe that's maybe that's who knows what the original version of this looked like is Mick Garris. Maybe he'll tell us about that. But yeah, those are the two names on the script. But I don't believe for a second that. Jackson himself was not like basically writing this. Like, oh yeah, at no, least this, the narrative we, beats. No, this is Jackson going full Robert Rodriguez. He's appearing in in every <laughs> role. He's kind of ghost directing. He's directing the cinema, uh, not cinematography. He's directing the choreography through most of this. He's uh, he's all over this. Like this is this is his his like uh, I'm rich, so I'm going to spend fifteen million dollars on on this vanity project. That and that's what this is. It's a vanity thing and um uh but speaking about that i think we should talk about the mayor character which is the other character that michael jackson plays Mm -hmm. in this 
where he goes kind of full on uh, Eddie Murphy in, you know, yeah. it's in some weird nether realm between like the coming to America makeup and his uh, SNL early SNL. I'm going to be a white dude walking around <laughs> New York <laughs> uh, makeup that, that he did uh, where it's he looks like the old Jewish guy in the barbershop from coming to America had a kid with uh, one of the clumps basically right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, and he's got like the the fat like fingers and everything and one of the things that i i mentioned earlier about like the watching behind the scenes is it gets a little i mean listen i'm a large man so when i hear michael jackson talking about like this mayor who's like he's just disgusting he's fat and disgusting yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and like, he says that like four fucking times throughout this that's like, the and thing like when he's in the makeup <laughs> when he's in the makeup and the fat suit he's like asking like touch my fat disgusting belly and i'm just like what the fuck are you doing dude it's like come on man it's like like listen that's the worst part all the kid touching stuff aside this is uncool <laughs> not cool, man. Kid, yeah, but not cool to. But it, it but <laughs> it cool really shame, isn't. It, it's really like like I while I was watching it, I was like, oh, this. I I remember thinking that it was cool back whenever it was that I first saw it that he they was playing this this dual role, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for him to dance in that in that in that costume. Like that's gonna be fun. And then it ended up not being as fun as I thought it was gonna be. But then watching, I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes and hearing him say, "He's fat, fat, he's fat." This man is fat. Like he said that <laughs> so many times. Like the the number of times, and and it, as if that the the what makes him bad is he's fat. And I it was like, Michael, this is not okay. This is yeah. you know. And then he's like, probably middle America. Like he's like trying to yes. describe where this guy's coming from. <laughs> and it's like Michael, no, why are you? No, like you got stuff going on with you. Maybe you need to turn. Maybe you need to actually. <laughs> deal with some of the stuff that's going on with you instead of being like, at least I'm not fat. Like, cause that seemed like that's <laughs> yeah, what he was yeah. trying to <laughs> <laughs> um, In that documentary that, and again, I encourage anybody who's curious at all listening to this to, it's a real easy YouTube search. Just look for behind the scenes or making of Michael Jackson's ghost. It's a two part thing that you can find on YouTube. Uh, and it's just fascinating insight into both the, level of detail that went into the choreography, which, you know, is unquestionably, you know, great in this. It's like, it's not as iconic as Thriller, of course, but it's, you know, it's great. Any Michael Jackson dancing in tandem with, you know, a bunch of talented dancers is, is always going to be entertaining, um, you know, but it, well. it shows all, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then, you know, but, but then it also like shows just kind of how th- this is definitely jackson in the tailspin where he's again needy is the word that keeps coming to mind where he's just really desperate for people to see this the, the, his point of view on this and and it, it just comes off so kind of desperate and needy you know in, in in this thing i think it's you know uh i don't think i really weighed in on my full opinion of this but i don't even think the dancing's that good in this you know, oh, no. even <laughs> even if we can even if we can separate the you know uh, to be clear that like I cannot do these moves. If you put me up on that dance floor, I would be fucked nine ways to Sunday. But well, that's I don't think you're it's disgusting. I don't think it's staged <laughs> very imaginatively. You know, right. it's it doesn't have that that spectacular quality that that Thriller had. And really, like the the most unique ha- thing that happens with the with the dancers, I thought was like when they go up on the ceiling, and then that's just like a oh, you got one of those fucking 
you know, rotating sets little, yeah. yeah, it's a rotating room with a thing. I understand that, you know, I'm also looking at it with 2021 eyes and all that comes with that. But I don't know. I just find the whole thing very flat and uninteresting. And then it's it's sort of distasteful on top of it. There yeah, Maybe there's I, a reason this has been forgotten. You know, it's right. just not very good. Yeah, I, I found I found myself being like swept into the the magic a little bit with some of the dancing just because I, I don't know how long it's been since I've seen a Michael Jackson, you know, choreographed move, you know, but I think I agree with you in that in that it does feel very flat. And and almost especially because we like go into this mansion. And so then the promise almost becomes like, we're about to see ghosts dancing like throughout several rooms and like you know scooting down hallways and like and thinking about even comparing to thriller i know the big set pieces when they're like coming down the down the street but doesn't that take place over it's they're like in the movie theater then they're in the then they're in the Mm -hmm. street then they're in the the house you know like it kind of feels like larger you know for sure right yeah once they get in that ballroom they're there like there's yeah. that's it. And then it's just and also if you if you like watch it closely, fucking this thing is 39 minutes long and I would say like 15 minutes are just reaction shots from the pe- <laughs> the townspeople that are watching Jackson. Like and some of them go on way too long. Like they'll hold a shot for I don't know, 8 full seconds or something and you're like shouldn't we be watching the dancing right now or like <laughs> or the monsters or like literally anything else going on except like Moe's deaf looking like really terrified and these like kids grinning idiotically at at a skeleton. Like it also starts to feel like the same, the same shot of the same couple kids going, whoa, like repeat is repeated. (laughs) Looks like a McDonald's commercial circa 1991. (laughs) You know, John Landis, say what you will about him and I won't stop you. But, you know, uh, (laughs) he knew how to direct dancers and what have you. Right. You know, I don't feel that Stan Winston really had any idea how to. Another good example would be like Coppola did Captain EO. Y'all ever see Captain mm. EO? Of course. Yes. I mean, I uh, don't have much memory of it except <laughs> one. You can thing. find it on YouTube now. Stop. Like, is it? <laughs> yeah. It was the last time I looked because I watched it like not too long ago. I think it was in pieces this was a, a few I years loved ago. it as a kid it was the coolest thing in the world as a kid you watch yeah. it now and I, I watch it when they was they brought it back to Disneyland for for a couple of years recently and mm-hmm. and uh and I went back and I'm like oh this is the I remember it being the best 3d I'd ever seen like it, that there's a little fucking floating uh fuzzy creature that like flies out over everybody's heads and I swear to god it felt like it was right above my head and I've never yeah. seen a 3d movie do that and I when I went back I'm like this is fucking. This is one of the cheesiest things I've ever seen. It is. It is so goofy and over the top and ridiculous and not at all taken seriously. Which you know, listen, it, things don't have to be taken seriously, but th- this goes beyond the pale. The, like it really does go into like terrible acting territory in that one. Well, the only but, thing I remember is the the witch, the like witch, like reaching her arm out. Being the, the most frightening thing I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they would like clack and shit. Yeah. That yeah. was Angelica Houston. Houston. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah. Years ago, uh, um, many, like I was very young, uh, my family took a trip to Disneyland and let me bring a, like a friend of mine with me. And we took acid while we were there because we were like, you know, fucking the worst kind of 15 year old kids you can imagine. 
And uh, we were so excited to see Captain EO on acid. And my memory is that Captain EO was not open there at that time. But then, like, I ended up at Disney World some years later. And I guess it must have been in that window where it came back because I did end up seeing it again. And I this was that must have been like 2000. Fuck, I don't know. It was long before Finding Neverland and all that shit. So I didn't really feel yeah. like the uh, I didn't feel like the moral uh, sort of queasiness that went along with going to see Captain EO that I might feel today. Yeah. But uh, my main takeaway from it was like, oh, this is just thriller plus, plus labyrinth. That's what this looks mm-hmm. like. <laughs> you know, there's like. Well, they're not goblins, I guess, because they're fucking space creatures or whatever, but it was entertaining enough, you know? I think it would have been way more entertaining on acid, but what do I know? Ca- Captain e- Captain Neo's better than ghosts, for sure. We can we can rank that oh, definitively. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. What that, is I, it better than ghosts, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. What a bizarre thing this is. But just like yeah. top to bottom. And loop back around to something I said a minute ago. Uh, it, it feels like the fact that it just kind of kind of sucks and didn't work. And combined with the like unpleasant aftertaste of the whole Michael Jackson aspect of it. Like, uh, I think that's the answer to why it's been forgotten and why it's the sort of thing where you if you mention it to somebody, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that that thing that happened. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's easy to dismiss. It's fine. You know, it, it exists. It, 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 I didn't feel the way watching this that I, you know, that I, it's like, oh, man, what's what am I doing with my life? This is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's it's just OK. Um, so it's it's easy to kind of dismiss, especially with the connection that it has in that time period of, of Jackson stuff. You know, you can you can divorce all that. What would come later um, from Thriller, because that you know, that hadn't happened yet. And at least, uh, at least, uh, the, the stuff that's come out, you know, who knows, right, but, uh, right. uh, you know, but that, that it's a different time period. It, it is somebody who is at the top of their game. You know, it's like watching, I don't know, like every time has, I'm trying to make a parallel. It's a problematic one. I'm like, it's like watching Tyson in his prime or something. It's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh no. Tyson. uh, yeah. So shit, like every there's there's no more uh, comparisons to make anymore. They're they're all monsters, but uh, you know what I mean. It's like watching somebody who's just the best at what they do, doing something that is iconic and definitive for a generation. You know, it's like that is certainly not ghosts. <laughs> do you th- do y'all think that? And I'll throw this to you first, James. Do you think that there's room for a, a successful horror musical? I mean, Rocky Horror kind of proves it. The original Thriller video sort of proves it. But, like, we've yeah. seen nothing of the such since. Yeah, I also think that, like, what sort of proves that something like this is 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 possible is, like, is the I Got Five on it, like, strings mm-hmm. interpolation in, in us as well. Because, like... Ooh. That part, like it's I'm I'm both terrified and also like thrilled <laughs> by it and then <laughs> like you know and it's a song but it, it it's it's a it's a rap song but then it weirdly becomes like this kind of theme throughout the the right. movie mm-hmm. in a really nice way so like I I definitely think that there is room for it 
you know, and there, sure. it, it, you know, and like, and even, you know, with like Rocky Horror sort of having this kind of like general rock poppy kind of vibe when you, when you, when you watch it, I, I think that, that, that there can be fully terrifying from start to finish, you know, <laughs> like and you're just kind of, you're, you're kind of both, you're compelled, you want to dance, but you're also like, you're too scared to, you know, I think, yeah. I think that there's a world where that can happen. Yeah, and, and I like, I mean, you're talking like Little Shop of Horrors would fit in there, and that's one true. of my yeah, favorite yeah, true. musicals. Sweeney Todd kind of fits in there. Um, <clears throat> Sweeney Todd. Uh, and then the Apocalypse, <laughs> you know, was a recent example oh, that's of them. True. Trying, I, 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 I forgot about that one. Yeah. So, I like, like I, I like that people are trying it. And, you know, and to like a, a goofier extent, I guess Buffy did like their musical episode, right? So, yeah. I, I think that the, the two genres aren't necessarily opposed. Do you guys ever see, there was a short film. That was the shit like in the aughts, I think, called uh, The Legend of Beaver Dam. No. It's essentially that, but it's like uh, shot it's- like an 80s horror movie where they're sitting around a, a campfire telling stories uh, that turns into a, a musical. And then like Stumpy Sam, which is the is the slasher in there, shows up and it becomes like a, a almost like a Tenacious D style, like music off between a kid and <laughs> like a Boy Scout and, and this uh, serial killer who's killing every everybody. But the, the big twist of it is that. Like he, you know, he say this little kids like saving his, his, uh, his classmates and all that stuff. And then you realize that, uh, you kind of pull out of him, out of, uh, his his mind and all that was happening in his mind as he was murdering his camp, camp counselor. So so I don't know. There it, it was a really awesome thing. The music was really good and it was really fun and uh, and gory and goofy. There's definitely room for for that to happen. I would love to see somebody do it, but I mean, it's so hard to even just get a horror comedy. Yeah, that's true. So, like people, they, they just don't have imagination anymore. At least on a bigger budget level, um, you know. And I'd love to see something on you know, say a Sweeney Todd scale where you have a list people coming in and like doing a real, real thing. But I mean, shit, you can barely get a musical done now. You know, we're, we're, I'm saying that in the age of in the Heights and uh, West side story or the two big movies this year, but uh, right. <laughs> um, you know, but it, it, for the most part, it's like getting a Western greenlit. It's just really hard to do. Yeah. And yeah. also those two movies are, I mean, you know, it's like, it, it is West side story, which is, you know, one of, is so famous. And then in the Heights, you know, coming off of, the, the success of, of Hamilton, Hamilton. Right. So, right, right. Yeah. You got Spielberg and Lin-Manuel, you know, <laughs> no one's going to say no to them right now. I do think there's plenty of room for that sort of thing. I wish we saw more of it. Thank you for right. reminding me of Annie and the Apocalypse. Cause I yeah, really same. did love that. That movie. was great. Yeah. yeah. I saw that at fantastic fest when it, yeah. when it came out and uh, I was, well, I saw it twice. So the first time I was like, ex- just profoundly stupidly hung over and <laughs> and fell asleep like 20 minutes in but yeah. then everyone loved it and uh, i was like all right i'll go back and see it again and i was like i want to buy this fucking album right now like this is right. this is great well and and to james's point like music and horror uh is greatly you know you mentioned uh us but there's also that moment in Shaun of the dead where where they're doing uh, with uh, don't stop me now by queen right yeah. and that becomes integrated in that that's a, that's more in the goofy side but like i i'm really intrigued by what james said about how you can take something that's not intrinsically scary musically 
and then turn it into something that, that gets under your skin and disturbing. Uh, yeah. You know, most of the the versions of that in horror is like some downbeat slow version of a happy song or whatever, right. kind of the, the music equivalent of that, like scary Poppins trailer. If you've ever seen that where yeah. they turn Mary Poppins into a horror movie <laughs> and they just slow down some of that music, the Mary Poppins music and it becomes creepy, make it echoey yeah. and slow. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to do this, but, but they did say my name in the Candyman trailer. Yes. Um, and so I don't know if they're going to do it in the movie in the same way that I got five on it was for us. But I, I wouldn't hate that. Like if just Fuck no, I would love that Candyman starts showing up. We just hear Destiny's Child <laughs> slow. and <laughs> <laughs> It would probably be pretty sinister. You know, yeah. I think I think it would sell me in the I mean, people kind of proved it with with uh i got five on it and us that shit is like seriously it changed my whole uh i love that song but it also like rewired my brain to how i approach that song now it's, it's scary uh, now like yeah. like you, like i remember playing i got five on it to know it like it just was on repeat all the time it felt like and then or always on the radio or whatever and now it's like if i hear it I'm immediately I feel something in my in the pit of my chest, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. What we need to do is get Peel to adapt uh, Stephen King's The Regulators and then get Nate Dogg on that soundtrack. Absolutely. (laughs) That shit, that shit, I think would work really well as like a sinister, like rap, like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> you could you could do that one over again and make it really fucking frightening. Someone is whistling the the opening of that. <laughs> <laughs> a child's oh, no. a, a child's choir is doing <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, uh this is usually the part in the show where we allow our guests to uh tease whatever they're whatever they're currently working on, what they've got in the works. Uh James, what when are we next going to see you on screen? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to tease right now. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of things that are like, maybe a contract's going to come in for this. You know, like, <laughs> there's a lot of like, right. what about maybe the. So I think I'll just say, you know, watch Astronomy Club on Netflix if you have not seen it. It yes. is still there for however long it's going to be there. <laughs> um, and Forever, I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh I forever for all, of all time. <laughs> um, yes. And um I wrote on Tyler Perry's Young Dylan and so there should be episodes of that coming out. Um it's you know, so bring your kids. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> for the adults, but bring your kids to to that. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This was a uh, delight and uh, I'm glad we scratched this one off the list of our you know the the many yeah. many many weird alleyways in in King's uh, body of work. Thanks for having me. I mean, I know it was uncomfortable, but I was glad to. It was uncomfortable to watch, but I was glad to rewatch it. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Many thanks to James for joining us on that episode. That was a pleasure to kind of dive into one of the the more niche King areas, and I think he uh, did a great job. Don't you? Think, yeah, he Scott? did. He did. Uh, awkward conversation because of the subject matter. Um, right. But to leave no stone unturned, we must leave no stone unturned. We had to go through <laughs> this. So I'm glad For we sure. got that conversation out of the way. And James was an excellent guest. Now, we've had a, a few listeners. I've noticed, I don't know if you've seen some of the DMs and stuff come in that were like kind of going, well, you know, I hate to see, see you guys beat up on 
Michael Jackson so much. He was misunderstood and the allegations never, you know, were never more than just allegations. And it's just like, ah, nah, man. <laughs> it's like, sorry, so, sorry if that made anybody uh, uncomfortable. But uh, I think we're, we're firmly in the, you know, believe well, the accusers. I'll uh, tell you what I did see was somebody just when we announced what the episode was, didn't even have mm-hmm. a, a take on it. It was just this is what the apps episode is going to be. And I saw one person respond and go, it's all bull. And I'm like, I, you haven't even heard the fucking episode. You have no idea what we're going to say on this episode. Yeah. If you're mad about the Michael Jackson thing, I don't know what to tell you, man. You know, we got to speak our truth and you know, maybe this will be another, uh, little fun string of one star reviews for us. Uh, (laughs) So please help combat those by heading over to apple.com and, or, iTunes.com. Just go over to the wherever you are listening Leave to reviews this and, for and podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Hit us with those five stars, not with those one stars from people that are mad at us for talking for about sure. MJ. All right. So next week, we usually tease uh, the, we'll give away the title and then tease the guest. We're not doing that this time because next week we're doing an interview show. Like next week will be a straight up Stephen King related interview show uh, mm-hmm. that is. Uh, now connected to the title we just discussed. We got Mick Garris finally on the show. And a lot of the questions that we have about ghosts kind of come up naturally in this conversation. So we answer some questions that we brought up about this with Mick. We go through everything that he's done. Uh, Stephen King wise, sleepwalkers, the stand shining, writing the bullet. Like we, we've talked a little bit about just about everything. And uh, Mick has been, in this business connected to all your favorites, you know, in genre from like the early eighties on he's had a relationship with that and he has great insight and uh, you know, we just couldn't resist the opportunity to have him on the show and just to do a straight up interview with him. Cause of you know. course he's a vital part of King on film history. Yeah. Of course we were going to cross paths sooner or later and it's finally happened. So uh, get ready for that. And some, some fun behind the scenes stories and just, Mix mix Rolodex is incredible. He'll tell you stories about anyone you could possibly name. It's <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yep. There's uh, some Psycho 4 talk, some, some uh, Hocus Pocus. We Actually, there's a lot of Hocus Pocus talk, more than I think Wampler anticipated going into this. <laughs> yes, uh, well, I generally anticipate no Hocus Pocus talk. <laughs> but um, but uh, I, I leavened that out uh, with, you know, uh, I found out that he's friends with William Malone. And who's a director I'm very fond of and got to ask a couple questions about Malone. And that guy sounds fucking badass. I'd love yeah. to get that dude on the show. Yep. So it's a really fun chat, uh, kind of a must listen to any Stephen King nerd. And I have to imagine if you're a regular listener to a podcast called the King cast, you are. And that, <laughs> that Venn diagram is just a circle for, for all you listeners. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, stay tuned for that one is going to be really fun. And then this Friday on the Patreon, we have a really fun episode too. You want to tell them a little bit about that, Scott? Yeah. Speaking about, uh, you know, Stephen King nerdery, this is nerder, nerdery rural juror. We have devoted an entire episode to the maximum overdrive trailer. This is an Mm. idea that came up on a previous bonus episode of the show with a guest by the name of Todd Gilchrist, a former colleague of both of ours. And we decided to go through with it. So it's it's a wide ranging discussion on uh, the art of trailers, specifically the maximum overdrive trailer. It feels like we covered a lot of ground in that one 
Yeah, and we talked about the history of, especially in genre, of the creator-led trailer, like Hitchcock and his Psycho trailer, oh, yeah, where he's just yeah. walking you through stuff. We talk about William Castle and all the, you know, his trailers that he would, you know, as the producer of these schlocky movies, you know, he would uh, be the face to sell you uh, on whatever the weirdness was, and kind of how that led up to Stephen King narrating his own trailer and being the focal point for the whole advertising campaign for Maximum Overdrive. So it's a really fun episode, like really, we get in the weeds on, on this one, but that's exactly what the Patreon bonus episodes are are for it's to kind of get into these deep dives in the niche territory. And I had a blast with it. And uh, I think uh, everybody will too. So if you want to listen to that, make sure to subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the King cast and uh, sign up and you'll get not only this maximum overdrive trailer, but now whatever the, whatever we're at 40 or 50 bonus episodes that are, you know, vast majority exclusive only to our Patreon. Uh, that's built up over the last year so so uh lots of good stuff for you to discover if you you know are desperate to hear more of our own voice and we've done 10 commentaries now did you know that 10 commentaries that's a lot steven spielberg hasn't done that many commentaries i'll tell you that steven spielberg hasn't done a one yeah well there you go we're 10 times better than steven spielberg that's what i'm saying yet another king cast exclusive indeed All right, so next week, Mick Garris, and uh, this Friday, Patreon, Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive, the trailer, the discussion. Adios, folks. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Andley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly.